Welcome to Group Thinkers, the podcast from RKD Group. I am your host, Justin McCord. With me, as always, is Ronnie Richard. And I don't know why I'm talking so slow. <laughs> like really pacing out. Like setting uh, up the slow dialogue. Yeah, setting up. It's I, you know, honestly, Ronnie, I think that the we just finished wrapping up this this interview with Rodri Davis of the UK-based think tank Why Philanthropy Matters, and and I think that it's the the importance of the conversation that's washing over me is why I'm my maybe my cadence is a little slow. I'm I am um, trudging through. Um, thoughts on the the conversation so why don't you give us a little bit of roger's background and and i'll gather myself i'll I'll let you sit in thought while i go over this uh yeah so so roger uh as you just mentioned he's a founder and director of the think tank why philanthropy matters Uh, he also hosts a podcast called philanthropisms um he's he's got such a such an incredible background in research and philosophy um he's a paris uh research fellow at the center for philanthropy at the university of kent uh he's authored two books including his latest what is philanthropy for so like you're saying he's, he's got this this he's deep in thought uh thinking about the industry and philanthropy and all these different aspects of it, which we kind of touch on some of it in the episode. And, um, you know, it, it's not a surprise that he started out uh, in college. He graduated from Oxford with a degree in mathematics and philosophy. Yeah. I mean, the mathematics part, I don't know, but the philosophy, the philosophy. part, <laughs> right? And I guess, it, it, yeah, here's, here's a, what is uh, occurring to me as I'm reflecting on this conversation you know when we started this podcast uh and even the name of it group thinkers you know, we have a lot of people reach out to us from time to time and and they want us to unpack like hey group think that's a bad thing like why would you and and no this is a this is group thinkers this is a, a space where we have conversations with people who are doing things differently thinking about things differently and we may have just spent time today with the preeminent thought leader in the UK on, you know, the preeminent thought leader on philanthropy in the UK. And I think that that's what is, um, is special to me about this episode and this conversation. And certainly the idea that Rodri will get into about why thinking about this stuff matters and why it matters, not just for the practitioners, but why it matters to, both the elite philanthropists and to the everyday philanthropists. And so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for, for you all to be able to take in this episode, to listen to our conversation and hopefully that it challenges you on, uh, to sit for a second, uh, and, and think about the role that charity, the role that nonprofits, the role that philanthropy plays in, in your world. Right. So, um, so I'm going to get to the interview so that I can sit and thought a little longer. And uh, so with that, here is Roger Davies of Why Philanthropy Matters on Group Thinkers. So Ronnie, you hear me talk a lot about the public square. Like you, you probably more, more than anyone hear me talk about 
you know, the, the, the Agora, the public square, the space where, you know, we're having meaningful conversations and, uh, and, you know, we've been really blessed recently because we're having conversations with people who aren't like right next to us on the square. And today, uh, it's someone who is on the opposite side of the square pond, like from us. And, and so that's super fun and super exciting. So, uh, so Rodri, welcome to, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to be here. So, uh, so Rodri, th- there are a handful of things that we want to get into, man, in terms of your work uh, in the UK and abroad. And um, but where I want to start is uh, by way of background. You're the founder and director of the think tank Why Philanthropy Matters. Uh, you've got a, a brand new book, uh, which is on my Kindle. Uh, what is philanthropy for? And, uh, and you're right now, you're doing a lot of sessions, a lot of speaking on the kind of the current state and the reality of the value of philanthropy. And so I would love for you to, as we start a conversation, give us a 30 second clip on the value of philanthropy. I'm asking you to sum up like your, I read your, like, it was like a 12 page speech. Yeah. 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 So 30 seconds. What? Why does why does philanthropy matter? Why does philanthropy matter? Well, I guess the the bit of that is it matters whether you think it's a good thing or not, and because it kind of has an impact on on all of our lives. And you might think that it's a kind of terrifying menace to democracy, allowing very wealthy people with large amounts of money to do whatever they want and sort of shape public policy and debate. Or you might go the other way and say, actually, it's about everybody kind of having the basic human desire to connect with other people and help them and help other people who are less fortunate than themselves. And, and actually, it's kind of a very healthy thing in any society and democracy. And obviously, that gets you into the whole, well, what are we even talking about? What do we mean by philanthropy? How are we defining this thing? And that's a whole other kind of messy thing to talk about. And, um, you know, I mean, that's kind of the value of it to me is that if you understand it in the right way, it's not perfect by any means. But if you get the best possible version of it, it's something that any healthy society can't really do without Insane. You did it in 30 seconds. I don't know. I, I was, was going to say, I think that, that clocked in under 30. That was impressive. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm buying it. I'm buying every bit of it and uh, and appreciate, truly appreciate the, your willingness, interest, and effort behind the discourse because the discourse matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I want to rewind. Uh, you, uh, you received a degree in mathematics and philosophy from Oxford in 2004. And then you went into research and, uh, and you published two major reports on philanthropy connect for me, the dots on studying mathematics and philosophy. And then what drew you into the research field and what drew you more specifically to philanthropy as a part of that research? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's kind of a missing bit in that, which is I the the maths and philosophy undergrads um, that I did, I, I really liked and I did pretty well at it. Um, and then I wanted to go on and kind of carry that on postgrad and ended up sort of starting out down the route of doing a, a DPhil, a PhD. Um, and, but then I just kind of had a moment where I was enjoying the subject matter, but I thought, is this really what I want to do? Because it's a, you know, it's a niche within a niche and you kind of sit in a room with a small group of about 20 people and then you realize they're the same 20 people that you're going to be talking to for the rest of your career, probably. And I just kind of thought, do you know what? I can't do this. Um, So I I kind of 
decided I needed to get get out of that that route and that wasn't the right way to go. Had a year or two of, you know, as everybody does at that point, kind of casting around trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then I hit upon the idea of maybe something like a, a think tank. You know, I'd heard of these things and I thought, oh, that sounds good. You know, it's kind of a bit like academia, but it's in the real world. And, and it so happened that there was a think tank at the time uh, that was recruiting for a research or for a project on philanthropy that involved going out and interviewing lots of kind of wealthy finance people in, in London and talking to them about what got them into philanthropy and how they do it. And I, I'd been doing a bit of work in the meantime, um, just kind of with a corporate headhunter, which was absolutely not what I wanted to be doing. And I was really bad at it. But it meant I got a foot in the door because I was kind of working in and around finance. And so I, they kind of felt like I knew what I might be talking about. And to be honest, if you'd said to me at that point, are you interested in philanthropy? I would have said I don't barely even know what it is. And I probably thought it was just one project and I'd go on and work on something else. And I just got kind of hooked. I found it fascinating. It was such a interesting mixture of kind of, you know, what drives individuals and the psychology and the sort of cultural background. But then also you kind of zoom out and actually it's about politics and economics. So it kind of you can look at all of these different things through this one lens. And I've been in it ever since and kind of, you know, getting further and further into it. And, and over time, I've sort of developed an interest, particularly in the history of it. And I've ended up um, writing a couple of books that kind of focus on on that side of things. Um, so, yeah, it's a happy accident, really, the whole why am I in philanthropy? But I'm very pleased that, that it did happen. What was the so was philanthropy in some form or fashion? Uh, was that a part of your upbringing? in some way or was it something foreign like what was the the first point of exposure into that space yeah it's a, it's a really good question and i i was in an event earlier this year um in in the us actually in in seattle and they we had a kind of dinner event and part of that was about getting people to kind of dig into their own personal stories and it was the first time i'd really thought about it that much i i don't think i would have ever termed it as philanthropy, because I mean that term in the UK is a bit different than it than it is in the US. It's sort of slightly less common currency. Um, but I, I certainly, when I thought back to it, actually, you know, my parents were always doing bits of voluntary work and were involved in in kind of as trustees for charitable organisations. And my sister certainly used to do an enormous amount of of sort of voluntary work. And probably at the time, I was slightly too cool for school and I sort of sneered at her a little bit. And she was the one out there doing that rather than me. Um, And then kind of, yeah, when I look back, though, all of that stuff probably was formative because I was always aware of the value of doing things for, you know, for other people, not for money. Um, And, you know, we'd always kind of given to charity in a very sort of small scale where we didn't have huge amounts of money, so it wasn't really an option. But it, you know, we kind of had that that habit of, of, you know, getting involved in causes and doing things to to help other people. I'm curious uh, as as time has gone on from when you first started studying philanthropy um, shortly after Oxford, has you has you have your views changed on it? Have you kind of observed things that have um, made you know stood out that you know have shifted how you perceive it? Uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I guess like uh, a lot of people, the the arc I've sort of gone on in a way is you. I don't, maybe maybe not everybody has this, but I kind of got into it and I was like, well, this is this is great. People who have lots of money, you know, particularly if we're talking about sort of wealthy philanthropy and elite philanthropy, uh, have decided to do something to help other people. That's brilliant. There's no possible way that you could question that being being a good thing. 
And I guess the more I've dug into it, the more I've sort of realized that actually, you know, there there is a kind of uh, a critical lens you can apply to this stuff. And there are lots of critiques and, and criticisms of philanthropy. And, and actually, I think I sort of got got into this or thinking about it and reading about it, you know, a decade or more ago. And at the time, I remember a lot of the people I talked to in the philanthropy sector were kind of, so, you know, looked at me a bit sideways and were like, well, it's interesting, but it's kind of weird. And maybe we should just not talk about it at the moment. And and in the last the sort of 10 years following that, it's become much more mainstream, I think, to kind of engage with with some of that criticism. And there's been quite a few, you know, big books have, have come out that have kind of you know made some of those arguments and have, have got lots of people reading them. And I think that's that's a good thing in a way, in that I think there are, with almost all of those criticisms, valid bits of them that it's really important we take on board when we're working in philanthropy, because it's the only way that we can improve it and make sure that we don't sort of have the the unintended consequences that we don't want. I think there's there's a danger, and I kind of increasingly feel this, that actually what happens though is that you go you go from, oh well, philanthropy is unquestioningly good, nobody can say anything bad about it, to wait, there's criticisms, and then people go into the, oh, it's all awful. We need to, you know, abandon the whole thing. And actually, you know, in all the work that I'm doing and kind of certainly these days, I'm trying to kind of plow that slightly harder work furrow in the middle where it's all about, you know, nuance and, you know, gray areas rather than black and white. Um, I think as a result, you know, my, I quite often test my own thoughts about philanthropy and whether I'm kind of fundamentally positive about it or not. And I think I am because I'm lucky enough that I get to speak to a lot of people actually just getting on and doing stuff to make philanthropy better. And that's the thing that kind of keeps me really encouraged is that, you know, you can you can see that there are things that are problematic about it or ways of doing that aren't so good. But instead of just throwing up your hands in despair, you you can think, well, actually, but there are people who know that and are trying to make this stuff better. So, you know, that that kind of gives me a lot of cause for optimism. Uh, the, uh, you know, the interesting thing about the the role that you have and the space that you have on the public square is that it, it really endears itself towards you by necessity surrounding yourself with other thinkers and you know it's it's kind of like in a in a different way you found your version of those 20 people in the room that you referenced earlier i'm curious in uh in the last 15 years who are the people that uh that you continually look to to either challenge you or inspire you that you somehow ha have taken leadership lessons from or that have mentored you yeah it's i mean it's a good good question i guess for a long for a long while before i i set up um, my philanthropy matters which is rel relatively recent i worked um for quite a long time the job i had was working at the charities aid foundation which is a big non-profit here in the uk so i was kind of working within a big institution and there were there were people there certainly who supported me my boss at the time hannah terry who's who kind of has gone on into doing other things she works for a wildlife charity now but was always kind of hugely supportive and also gave me an enormous amount of latitude and just kind of trusted me to get on and do things on in the basis of she thought well it seems like you know what broadly what you're doing so just try stuff and having that that ability to to try stuff was was hugely important, and actually, the the chief executive at the time, John Lowe, was also very supportive to the point where, you know, I one one time somebody said to me, "Oh, we should do like a short report about the history of philanthropy," and and I said, "Oh, I'll do that." 
And then they came back a few months later and said, oh, how's that report getting on? And I, I said, you know, I think it's actually a book because I just sort of in the, in the meantime already got together these sort of tens of thousands of words. And, you know, they let me run with it. And actually, in the end, you know, I was able to publish that as a book um, back in 2016. And similarly, when we we had a podcast there called Giving Thought, which was the sort of the, the earlier incarnation of what what's now the podcast I do called Philanthropisms. And me and another colleague of, my, of mine at the time, Adam Pickering, um, who, you know, we always kind of um, pushed each other, I think, in a really good way. But we we just kind of got on and did that and recorded a bunch of episodes. And again, it was almost, you know, we were we were given um, sort of permission to, well, we sort of asked forgiveness rather than permission, and that was okay. We just sort of did stuff. And I guess the other, the other people, or certainly, peop- uh, you know, one person who's been hugely supportive of me for years now, and now actually I'm lucky enough to work with is um, Beth Breeze, Dr. Beth Breeze, who runs the Centre for Philanthropy at the University of Kent. Um, and I've known her for ages, and she's always been very, very encouraging of, of my work. And then when I left CAF, one of the things I was lucky enough to do was to kind of start working there part-time. And now I'm kind of you know co-authoring stuff with Beth, and that's absolutely great. And then there's there's other people who I don't work with directly, but I I think I kind of have them in my mind when I'm thinking about who is my intended audience for this stuff or who is it that i would like to read this and say something you know nice about it or that it it kind of hits home um and i i don't know whether i should pick any of them out individually because it's sort of unfair then because the others might feel left out but they probably know who they are i love that i love the idea that uh that they're that in some way the the idea that you're you've got a connection with this audience that uh you're you're working not for their approval but it's because you appreciate who they are that you want their buy-in uh and that gives you an uh, an interesting outlook on on your goals so let's talk a little bit about why philanthropy matters and so you know this is uh as you said it's a relatively new venture uh and and you mentioned that you're trying to work in that hard ground that's the gray space so tell us a little bit about the issues uh, that you're tackling through uh, through this new venture. Yeah, I mean, so the idea behind it and, the, it and the website's been going just over a year now, but the idea kind of um, started a little bit before that when I left CAF. And I've, again, I've been really lucky of some support from the Pears Foundation in the UK, uh, who I work with as well a bit, but they've kind of core funded it um, so that I've been able to get this thing off the ground. And it would have been absolutely impossible if it wasn't for that support. Um, I mean, the idea was to to kind of take the the essence of what I'd ended up doing quite a lot at CAF with some of that work, which is trying to say, look, you know, this this philanthropy stuff's interesting, but often we're too we're too in the weeds. We're kind of just talking about the mechanics of it to other people who are already doing it. But there's there's something to be said for stopping, taking a step back, and kind of looking at this stuff slightly bigger picture and saying, okay, where's it come from? You know, how does it fit in with all the other stuff that's going on in the world now, and where's it going in the future? Um, and and my, the other the other element of it for me with why philanthropy matters is is again I'm kind of my aim is to try and make this stuff as interesting and relevant to a sort of general audience as possible. And I'm not talking about you know a kind of daytime mass market TV audience. I think that's kind of that's another level beyond it, and probably I'm not quite good enough at. At, at making it sort of publicly uh, saleable for that. But, you know, kind of interested general reader who may or may not have ever really thought about philanthropy before, but maybe they're interested in something else to do with, you know, um, 
questions about democracy or the you know the housing crisis or the cost of living or whatever and then they they suddenly stumble on this or they realize that actually there's this angle you know where philanthropy this thing that they never really thought about or this word that they might have heard somewhere is relevant and then they kind of get a sense of oh this thing's actually more complicated than than i thought and actually there's a lot more to it and it's not just as simple as rich people writing checks to charities there's actually you know a whole lot of kind of dynamics and different ways of looking at this this stuff and it and it matters because it actually is relevant to all of these big issues that people are grappling with at the moment about how society works how we address some of the big challenges we're facing around you know climate and racial justice and the impact of technology and all this sort of stuff um and then i think the other bit is you know it's really important to the work i do and has been for a while is is that question of how do we try and give ourselves a bit of space to look ahead because the other thing i find in the world of philanthropy and nonprofits is there's loads of really smart people and frankly loads of them who know a lot more about all of this stuff than i do but what a lot of them don't have is the time and space to do that very often and so i'm lucky that i do and what i want to do is to try and create a space where it kind of helps other people to be able to sort of think through some of these problems in a more structured way and to kind of think how they touch on different um different areas of life and kind of other different debates um and long term the aim with why philanthropy matters is for it to become a space where other people can use it as well so it's not just me saying things that i think about it but it's a place where other people can sort of start conversations and engage um you know on that same basis of being interested in philanthropy from that bigger picture perspective you know ronnie i think it's interesting because we have these conversations uh even you, you and i've talked about before you know we will be at a social event and people ask us about you know our job as you know a part of a nonprofit marketing agency right and you know sometimes you have to start and you have to zoom out and say okay by the way there's in the us there's 1.8 million nonprofits and that number grows and uh, nonprofit, you know, in terms of its impact on the labor uh, market in the U.S., it's 10% of the U.S. workforce. And you talk about the GDP, like you have to give all these framing references, mm -hmm. which it, it it ties into a lot of the things that that I feel like Roger is talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And like as as you were talking, Roger, I was thinking about kind of a an area where your work and some of the stuff we're talking about and working on intersects and. You know, one of the things we've been looking at a lot is trust in the nonprofit sector. This 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 declining trust, like um, for our for our listeners, the Edelman Trust Barometer measures trust in various institutions uh, across the globe, really. And and the most recent report found that trust in nonprofits declined below businesses for the first time, and that was kind of like an eye opening. Uh, moment for all of us. And so we we actually just commissioned some research where we surveyed some donors, you know, over a thousand donors. And and one of the findings um, that we're just publishing this is that transparency is mm -hmm. a key driver in trust. Um, and so I also, I was looking at one of your recent speech, speeches that you gave earlier this year, and you were saying that philanthropy needs to ensure greater openness and transparency so we see where the money has come from, where it's going, and then we can scrutinize and challenge where necessary. So I'm curious on your thoughts, kind of putting you on the spot here, instant think tank. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Like, how can nonprofits do a better job to ensure transparency? Like, what can they do on their end to to 
inform donors and, and just constituents in general. I think, I mean, I think there's a, a lot that can be done around things like finding new ways of more voluntarily engaging with kind of open data standards. So there's projects, I know there's projects in the US, things like Glass Pockets and others, but in the UK, there's a project um, or an organization called 360 Giving, which is trying to open up data on grant making from philanthropic organizations and some some government agencies so that people can then see where the money's come from and where it's going and also can do stuff with that data. So it's not just kind of there in a PDF somewhere. It's actually kind of usable. And, you know, the more that we're getting towards the point where people are going to want to apply, you know, new technologies like machine learning and whatever to, to kind of understand better how to address social problems or how to give more effectively, you, you're going to need that that data. Um, and also, as you say, you know, it's good from a practical point of view, but also from a legitimacy point of view, if we're sort of saying, actually, we're trying to make a positive case for why philanthropy, you know, at all levels, but particularly at the level of sort of big money giving is a good thing in a, you know, in a democracy. To me, that argument only really works if at the the very least, you're able to kind of see where that money's come from and what it's doing so that you can scrutinize it and challenge it. Because otherwise, there's, you know, without transparency, there's not really any accountability. And without accountability, there's no legitimacy. And and then the whole thing kind of falls apart. So I think there's a lot more that can be can be done there. I guess the part of the challenge, and I know this is more of an issue at the moment in the US, but I suspect, you know, as tends to happen, we'll we'll see the same thing in a few years in the UK is that in some of the trends in philanthropy are sort of pushing things in the other direction. So the more that people are using donor advice funds or the more that elite donors are starting to use um, limited liability companies or LLCs, you know, that that's kind of dropping the, the levels of transparency and kind of required information ever lower. And as you say, at a time when people are already, you know, levels of trust in nonprofits and in philanthropy are, are suffering, that seems to me to be, problematic so it's kind of how do we get everybody to realize that there's a you know there's a collective um benefit for all of us in in having that that kind of openness and transparency which is hard because the problem i think with this is there's often a sort of first mover challenge or a collective action challenge which is who wants to be the first person the first donor or foundation to kind of put all the information out there and then attract all the criticism and get shot down but then if you wait until everybody's doing it nobody does it and so you know that that kind of thing we need to find ways of making it safe for everybody to kind of move broadly at the same time on this stuff i think you're i think you're hitting on some incredibly valid points and and i agree with you that there you know there's a connection between what happens in the us and then ultimately a lot of those trends tend to flow into the uk or vice versa just in terms of you know the impact of data privacy and now how that's seeping into the US in, in new ways. And you know what's really interesting is when you talk about when we've had these early conversations on transparency, what I see from practitioners is a knee-jerk response of what they already do. And it's almost that they're not sitting with the problem long enough to really process and develop ways of trying something different. And it's like a, a dismissal of the, the reality that the problem exists, right? It's like, well, well, we do this. It's in this PDF. It's in this annual report or we communicate this or that or the other. But, you know, in, in some ways that's ignoring where it's broken. 
Mm. And so there's some there's some value in absolutely creating the safe and the brave space for people to stand up and try new things. Um, also doing so in a way that isn't uh, that recognizes that it's a marathon and not necessarily a sprint and we got to rush to to solve it. Yeah. So when you so just two other thoughts that kind of come to mind here, Roger, is as you're talking and sharing, because I'm, you know, we're truly appreciative of the role that you play in creating the discourse. Uh, how do you explain your job to your family? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I I'm not sure I do. Um, I don't know that they really have a clear idea of exactly what it is I actually do. My kids maybe have a broad sense of it. And actually, this this uh, past birthday just gone, both of them made me philanthropy themed birthday cards, which were quite which were really quite quite incisive. So they're cl- clearly something's rubbing off on them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I tend to explain it in the way that I would. I guess what I think is like it's a difficult thing to explain philanthropy. And it's a difficult thing to explain, you know, jobs within it, and it's even more difficult to explain mine because it's a kind of it's not really a, a straightforward role that exists in any in any sort of other sense. But what I tend to do is kind of depending on the audience, there's different ways of of framing it. And I think the one that I would explain to to my kids is that you know most of my job is about trying to help people to give more to charities and to kind of make sure that they're supporting them in the best way possible and some of that is working with people who have lots of money and have decided they want to give stuff away and trying to help them to do that in in a way that kind of is as helpful as possible but also it's about making sure you kind of recognize that everyone's able to do giving and that that bit always chimes with them because i think you know kids immediately get the idea that you should want to help other people and then you know i don't know if you, if you guys have got kids or if you've got kind of kids in your family but i'm it's always really good to be reminded of the fact that this stuff does come pretty naturally to most people and you don't have to work that hard to convince people of the value of sort of you know giving time and money and helping other people and it's maybe only when we get older and more jaded that it sort of takes more work and then actually kids you're pushing in an open door if you suggest you know do you want to do something for charity or do some fundraising or volunteering or whatever um you know in my experience they they all want to do that and it's you know one thing we probably need to think about more is kind of why is it sometimes that that stuff does tail off a bit what are the points in our lives at which you know at which we we kind of stop uh, letting that come so so naturally um, which that's a totally off topic answer. I'm not sure I had such a question no, at all. Larry. Yeah, no, no, you totally did. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a, it's a fascinating idea within our space. Uh, just because it is such a unique aspect of, um, of the world and it's organizations that are attempting to solve the biggest problems in the world. And it's providing them with thinking and providing them with, resources and help and like you said trying to bridge that connection of introducing them to people that want to support them and so you know i i think we're i'm fortunate that my my two kids on one hand they understand that they also think wow dad sure does talk to a computer a whole lot it's that kind of balance uh when you fast forward uh, into, um, looking ahead into the twilight of your career, many more books, 
mm. and uh, and speeches and um, what do you hope the lasting impact of why philanthropy matters or of Roger Davies is on the space? Oh, why well, getting to the the questions that that trouble me when I'm awake at two o'clock in the morning? So, no, I mean it's it's a really good question because. I guess particularly when you're doing something in a field like philanthropy, but you're doing it kind of one step removed. So I often sort of think like what I'm doing is kind of meta philanthropy in a way, and I'm sort of talking about philanthropy and and you know big picture issues. And I think that stuff is important, but then it I do have my moments where I'm like, yeah, but some other people are just getting on with moving large amounts of money or kind of doing really good work in you know at grassroots and kind of community level. And should should I should I be doing that instead? And I guess what I reassure myself with it with is that there, there's a need for all of it, and the the weird skill set that I've managed to develop over time seems to be well suited towards this bit, which is the kind of research, writing, kind of you know trying to bring ideas to to life for people, bring in some of that history stuff, and and kind of uh, you know relate philanthropy to to wider issues. I guess when I get to the end of my career and look back, as you say, I, I would hope there'll be lots more, you know, articles and books and things that I'm, you know, proud of. I guess it's it's less about any of the specific ideas and more without probably this probably sounds massively like <laughs> egotistical, but like a way of thinking about philanthropy that I'd like to leave people with. I kind of in a way, even if if people read all of the stuff that I do in my books or in in Why Philanthropy Matters and they can't remember any specific point about philanthropy. If they come away with just a sort of sense of actually we can kind of apply you know a, a different way of thinking and sort of step back a bit and and kind of realize that philanthropy isn't something that exists in isolation it's not a kind of weird thing that just sits in the corner in one small part of the nonprofits sector you know it's actually a pretty sort of fundamental thing in society that we have to understand in between you know the state and the market and and also at an individual level it reflects some pretty fundamental truths about who we are as human beings and the fact we're kind of driven to to want to help one another rather than just sort of stab each other in the back and compete. So actually, I think when you you kind of get into that mindset of thinking about, about philanthropy from all these different angles, that's what keeps you realizing, I think, how interesting and how varied it is and also kind of allows you to sense check you know what the the challenges are and and kind of how things might evolve in the future in ways that we kind of need to be to be thinking about uh, and if anybody said oh yeah you know it really helped me in in my career to kind of adopt that mindset and that was valuable i could probably you know shuffle off this mortal coil happily at that point that's so well said uh roger yet i can't think of a better way to to wrap up this episode than that so um, if people want to reach out to you or learn more about why philanthropy matters, where, where can they find you? The best place is, is the website. So that's why philanthropy matters.com. Um, and there you can find all, you know, lots of articles I've written, um, you know, at least one guest article and hopefully lots more in the future. Also all the episodes of the philanthropisms podcast are there as well. Um, and kind of updates on when I'm speaking at things or kind of things that, that I've got going on. So yeah, that's probably the best place to go. Roger, we we, we uh, truly appreciate you, and uh, and for what it's worth, uh, we're paying attention. And so you know, to know that uh, hopefully it, it gives you some semblance of of that you're on the right path. That uh, there are people that are, you know, 
on the opposite side of the globe that are paying attention and, and appreciate the work that you're doing. And so thanks for taking the time, uh, especially right before uh, a little uh, getaway, a little holiday, uh, taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, I really appreciate having the having the chance to talk. It's you know, great to, to be asked so many things about yourself. <laughs> anytime, anytime, bud. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, including how you can partner with RKD to accelerate growth for your fundraising and nonprofit marketing needs, visit rkdgroup.com.